Chris Ryan for Alex Simmons. How you doing, and Alex? You got me directly. You got me directly. No Fantastic. butlers, no, no long hallways, no Igor. In the- nope, just right here, us two. That's as, right. What do you do? As people have requested. Yes, for some odd reason, people like us. We've got to do something about that. Well, you know, I, I'll accept that. I, I like hanging out with you. Uh <laughs> Well, I'm you gonna, know, Chris Brogan here quickly because I hear the, the tingling there. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm going to have a cup of tea and I'm going to try and do it as quietly as possible. <laughs> and I'm going over to a quiet section of my house because my sons have fellas yelling and screaming at the football games. So oh, I'm going oh. to try and not get that picked up on the mic. Yeah, so okay, we'll a little background. Ambiance. Yep, but I am I am sitting as opposed to, you know, in the last couple episodes you heard me doing dishes and I don't yeah. know adding an addition onto the house. I don't know. Right, what I was driving doing, an but... motocross. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell the damn story has yeah. gotten a little bit of feedback here and there, and one of the things that were told was while they enjoy the we are getting signs that people enjoy me interviewing the uh, authors. And uh, there's you have a uh, special series coming up, which uh, I can't wait till that hits the airwaves, because I, pe- I think people will really like that. Um, oh, but they want to hear a little bit more of us in Tell the Damn Story, and, and we're here today um, really trying to catch up with some pop culture. Yes, because culture is is definitely uh ablaze right now there's there's things soaring to great heights and then there are other things that seem to be skulking into the corners and the shadows so yeah there's a little bit of a range for us to touch on today well, uh, and and you being being the the, the grand wizard of awareness <laughs> where pop culture pop culture you know updates are concerned why don't you take take the helm sir well, I would say that there's probably about 10 million people who know more about pop culture than me, but uh, that won't stop me. Um, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, over the last week, um, I think the social media and fan um, podcasts and video uh, was video blogs and blogs um, have lost their mind a little bit about Avengers 4. Now, I want to clarify my place. So, yes, I I am an eagerly anticipating Avengers 4. I can't wait myself. Um, uh, I want to see how they finish off this 22, I think that'll be 23 or 24 films by the time Avengers 4 is finished. Um, it's Yes, it's un. Uh, it's it's new territory. No company, no film company, has ever done this many stories in a combined universe before. Um, I was thinking about that, and I think the closest we ever got to this phenomenon. Bond. Well, that's a character. That's a series, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is a, a set of series, right? Captain America has a series of movies, Thor, series of movies, Iron Man, series of movies, Avengers, series of movies, right? We get this, mm-hmm. right? Spider-Man is in there with a, a movie now, Doctor Strange, etc. Black Panther. Um, 
here's where I think is the only precedent I can think of. The Universal Monsters. Oh, interesting. Right? Because they had... Frankenstein, Dracula, yeah. Werewolf. Yeah, but then there was uh, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Then there was House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Outhouse Frank- of Frankenstein, yeah. Frankenstein meets the werewolf, you know, and... and if Abbott you and Costello wa- meet Frankenstein. Yeah, that's the last one. If you, if you watch it in, in succession, the story continues, you know? So that is one of the only shared universes that I can think of. And with that, I think probably they got to a dozen, maybe 15 movies. I could be wrong. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Hmm. Only would the, you, only the count, last... I'm, just, I'm sorry. Go ahead, and then I'll ask you a question. Well, only the last half of those were joined. When they, when they figured out that um, a movie with Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman would attract an even bigger audience. Then those those stories kind of got linked for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, they were popular B movies. But the Marvel uh, uh, cinematic universe, every one of the movies is linked and paid off and ref- referenced in ways that, from the very first movie, from that from the um, post credit scene where Nick Fury shows up uh, to talk to Tony Stark, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was beginning from there. They had a larger vision. And, and yes, I, I share, to get back to the point, I share um, the enthusiasm for Avengers 4. But when there are vlogcasts or episodes of these YouTube shows that talk in detail about whether a bleeped out, um, uh, who plays the Hulk? Hulk? I'm forgetting who plays the Hulk. Um, 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 Oh, uh, not Rubio. Uh, I'll look it up while while you're talking. Okay. Well, he was on, he was on, um, uh, one of the talk shows, and they bleeped him out and barred his... Mark something. His, Mark, Rufi- Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Ruffalo, Mark there it Ruffalo. is. Yeah. They, they blocked his mouth with a black bar and um, bleeped him out, but supposedly he told the name of the show. That was worth about a half a dozen uh, episodes. What did he really say? Was it Avengers Forever? Was it Avengers Annihilation? Was it Avengers, your mom. What was it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I vote for Avengers, your mom. I think that'd be pretty good. Um, it worked for me. Yeah, I, 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 I'd go see that. I think so. Um, and then there was somebody put out a written description of a possible link, a leaked out trailer for the Avengers when. And then people, but there's another half a dozen episodes on that leak. What did the leak say? Is it reliable? Is it not? Could it be? Here are some scenarios. I must have seen over the last three months upwards of 50 speculation videos about different aspects, you know, of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And 
I understand these gentlemen and ladies are making money off these video shows, these YouTube shows. But <laughs> it's it's just reduced to gossip. It's just reduced to grasping at straws. And and one of the things that happens is that after 20 some odd movies, people are going to be so frenzied about their expectations that you can't help but be disappointed. You know, we've seen this in the Star Wars, Star Wars universe where no matter what they put up as the next Star Wars movie, half the audience hates it. They just, no matter what, because it's not what I expected it to be, so therefore it sucks. They really shouldn't do that to the, to the Avengers, to Marvel. They should, you know, there's a lot of books out. There are a lot of great books, exciting books. Read a book. <laughs> Read a book, man. Read some of this other great stuff that's out there. There's a couple other things out on Netflix. Catch up on those. Watch some of the other stories, you know. Have fun with that stuff. Avengers is coming. It's only really a couple of months away. Don't, don't relax. Well, I mean, I mean, part of it, part of it, I, I feel, you know, and you're, you're talking about, you know, fan frenzy. Here, part of this is, you know, social. I'm not going to get into a deep discussion about social commentary and social, social issues and all that right now, but if, if you look at – go to a baseball game, okay, go to a football game, and, and watch the, the variety of uh, reactions of mm-hmm. the fans, you know, whether they're, they're reacting to their home team or to the visiting team. And it gets visceral sure. sometimes. It gets really visceral. Uh, it was inevitable that you, you keep – I mean, it's almost like, you know, like they, they, they gave us a little taste. You know, and then they started, you know, really sending in the strong stuff. So, you know, 20 some odd movies, people are going to just continue to build it. You're fanning the fire. You're building the frenzy. And from a marketing standpoint, this is absolutely brilliant. I think from a from a, a production vision standpoint, Marvel has been unbelievably brilliant, uh, not only with connecting the movies, but also even how they chose to connect the TV shows with the movies you know we don't we don't get cuts to those things but they subtly reference Mm -hmm. the fight of new york or blah 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 so you know they they've created an entire world on film or video the same way they created the source material yes in comics it's the same mindset but well done well i think i I was just going to say well done with obviously and I don't know who was at the helm, who is at the helm, but obviously with a strong mind and strong hand at the helm, because whatever the original vision was, as much as we can tell, they've, they've stayed the course. Whereas the other company seems to be floundering and only now possibly in movies finding their way to something that's going to look like a success for them on their own or under their own power. Whereas on television, they've been doing better. Well, yes, but um, I think one of the ironies there is that the success we're starting to sniff for DC, and we'll just name it as it is, right? Is that... Oh, that's a leak. I'm sorry. People are going to come after us now. (laughs) it, It looks like they are doing 
separate movies and they're doing, yeah. you know, and I remember when I was, you know, in the, 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 I guess it was the silver age or whatever, you know, in the late sixties and seventies. Yep. Everything Marvel did was connected everything. Right. But if you went over on DC, it wasn't that way. You know, like if you mm-hmm. want, if you read a, uh, a Batman comic in the seventies, it wasn't necessarily connected to a detective comic. You know, mm-hmm. Batman was in both of them, but it was separate storylines. And you could just follow the one you liked and everything was fine, you know? Or if yeah. you watched, if you re- read Brave and Bold and it was Batman and the Atom, none of the other things they were doing were connected to that issue. That was, you could pick up that issue and enjoy that issue. And that was one of the cool things, you know, about DC. Um, it was, you know, a different take on how these things should go. I love the soap opera of Marvel, and I did tend towards Marvel a little more than DC. But there were some of those DC comics I would go out of my way to read because it was I knew I was going to have an experience in that issue, you know, mm-hmm. the whole. So, and I think that that you know. I think if they do experience the success that seems people seem to think, wow, this might be coming, it's going to be because they're truer to the way they were at the height of their popularity. And the same thing with Marvel is being true to how it is. If you go into a comic book store now, neither of those is the case. You know, Marvel, you can't go from title to title and, and follow Marvel anymore because Marvel has 17 Avengers titles. Or something. And you don't, I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing or mind-boggling which is the, what to follow, you know? But that's what they're doing right now. And since about the late 80s or early 90s, the DC comics have been more joined. Like, you would see a story like Nightfall. I'm dating myself, but it was, you know, shortly after uh, the Jason Todd died. Mm-hmm. with quotation marks, died. Um, stories were taking place in Batman, then the next episode would be in uh, uh, Shadow of the Bat, and then the next episode would be in Detective, and then Legends. They were all linked. Uh, they had started out separate, but they, they kind of, you know, you were getting the weekly dose of it. It's um, sort of crossovers, yeah. yeah. So that got a, a little exhausting, uh after a while um it didn't for me in marvel but in dc i kind of i missed that separate so i i hope they have the success that they're they're hoping for on that but we'll see um on television they have had a lot of success but what i'm hearing more and more often on other podcasts among friends uh, is, you know, yeah, I jumped off uh, somewhere in season three. I just, I don't watch these anymore, you know. And, and especially, a lot of the jumping off happened season two or three of Arrow, and then this last season of Flash, they jumped off. Um, it was just like they were kind of going to this one or two storyline well too many times when that first season of Flash was picking up so many great stories from the comics and they kind of wandered away from that and they were doing 
Flashpoint, and then they did Flashpoint again kind of last season, and that, that kind of broke it for a lot of people. Um, I noticed that this season he's in the red, 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 cherry red costume. Um, I don't know. I, I hope, got, you know, hope they're having a good time, but I haven't watched those in a, lo- in, in a long time. Um, Black Lightning uh, had its first season. So we'll have and and, and two. yeah here's season two yeah and I thought that I thought if they it felt for me and I like Black Lightning um, when Tony Isabella and um, the artist I worked with on the Black uh, Blackjack strip um, oh Eddie Newell Eddie Newell when they were doing it that was that was my favorite run of of Blackjack of um, Black Lightning Black Lightning um, right. But it felt like me that first season. It felt like they were trying to get in like two or three or four seasons of development in that one season. You know, I hope that this second season. All right, you've established everything now. Now, now, let's go a little deeper and let. For me, for, for me, Black Lightning, the this, this series, the, I I enjoyed more than anything the the family interactions and the relationships mm-hmm. that were explored, uh, the humanizing of the character and the people, you know, and as, as he, you know, began to discover, as we, as the audience began to discover that his audience, that, um, uh, powered, you know, <laughs> his daughters anyway, right. still running around there with nothing, <laughs> but, but, you know, but right. brilliance or brilliance, but, you know, just the, the dynamics of family, uh, struggles and things like that, that was what made that series interesting to me. And then they began to yeah. go into the other elements um, so I would say I'm, there I'm was... looking forward to, to seeing season two to see what they do with the power of not only the, the, the superhuman, but also the human. Uh, yeah. See if they can maintain that. Well, the best example of that was one that you and I have talked about in an earlier episode. It was when uh, Black Lightning in his secret identity as a <laughs> school principal uh, yeah, right. gets pulled over in the rain. Yeah. And he's clearly being profiled. Yeah. And he has to hold back the powers that he has, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, really a strong metaphor. And I was, I, I'm hoping that there's more of that, especially today, especially as, as the country is now. There's such an opportunity for that metaphor to reach out and touch people. Um, in ways they need right now, you know? Well, um, that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that, I just don't want to miss that point that you're bringing up here. That is one of the things that I think any series that we've looked at that has, you know, whether it's a movie or a TV show, that has really pulled us in and, and kept us with it is the human element and, and the truth or the, the, representation, the representation of truth in life. You know, so with some of the characters, it's the personal strife that they're going through. Oh, yeah, and they have superpowers. Uh, it, like you're talking about the pullover in, in Black Lightning and, and some of the things that happened in the Luke Cage TV series. And in, in the, the Avengers, you know, to this to date, still my favorite of all the Marvel movies are the Captain Americas because we it really are exploring Steve Rogers' personality, his who he is, this man out of time, this guy who's standing for the America he believes in. And at, at a time when he, you know, back in his time period, 
what he felt it represented was what he was standing for. Now he's in this time period and he's constantly at odds with, right. with some of that. And I think those are the, the intriguing aspects of it uh, that, that really keep me going back to the movies and, and wanting to see, okay, where's Steve going now? You know, his truth, his, his patriotism. What does this look like? You know, him standing there with, with the, the great scene in um, the Avengers movie where, I'm sorry, in the Captain America uh, Winter Soldier, when Nick Fury is showing him this armada of mm-hmm. aerial, you know, uh, aircrafts, uh, the basically giant battleships, flying battleships. And he's saying, you know, we're going to put those out there across the globe and, and keep the world safe and, and freedom. And, and, and Captain America is a white guy saying to a black guy, that's not freedom. That's that's not what I know as freedom. That's not freedom. That's fear. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, just just, you know, however an audience member sees that. What a moment. What a moment. represents. So I think, you know, I think pop culture and and just using that phrase diminishes some of the work that people have put into the products we're talking about. But I think it also reflects and I'll shut up. It also reflects how some executives and some fans and some merchandising uh, giants see the material. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to, we're going to get into that for a second. I just want to throw one other thing in. I mean, one of the reasons why we're talking about pop culture now and why we consume so much of it uh, is because it helped frame our worldview. I mean, my main comic growing up was Captain America and the Falcon. And, you know, I always thought I had a better chance of being the Falcon because he didn't, I, I, I know the super serum, super soldier serum died in world war two, you know, and, and Falcon just had a nobility and he really, they didn't really start bringing up some, he may have mutant abilities or that was way later in Captain America and the Falcon. This was a guy who believed in his neighborhood and he was willing to, you know, go out there and fight for his neighborhood. And Cap and he had that in common, that they were willing to put themselves on the line. And then they were, then their friendship was challenged in a lot of interesting ways. And I see it in the movies. I keep waiting for that to get to that next level. You do see the friendship. You see how Cap relies on, on Sam for... Um, information that he doesn't have because he's a man at a time and uh, context for what's going on and, and that kind of stuff and resources. Yeah. And Sam is like, that guy's Captain America and I'm going to back him up. And there's, there's a nice feel there that um, rings true from my childhood experience. Now you were talking about, um, so I just wanted to note that you were talking about how the corporate is is starting to make itself its presence felt in all this storytelling that we're worshiping so much mm. and i think that that there there's two areas that i'd like to talk about because i think that it, that may have an impact um and not a positive one as as we continue on um, let's talk first about Netflix, um, Iron Fist. Uh, the first season was, uh, it was a hard sit. Uh, <laughs> it was, I, you You're know, kind. 
you know, I, I liked Iron Fist, the character. Okay, if I bought 25 comics in a week, and I used to be able to do that for like five or ten bucks, uh, five bucks, I think, because they were 20 cents each, right? So uh-huh. it would be the 24th or 25th book, but I would still read it, and I was still interested in, in the character. Um, but it, it, there were things that they didn't attend to in the first season. One, teaching the actor, uh, the main actor, to act, and um, and to fight Kung, you know, martial arts really well. Um, in the second season, they addressed that considerably. Um, the martial arts were sharper, more entertaining. I don't know if they, if a true martial arts fan would have said, yes, it's as good as anything I've ever seen, but it was significantly better. And they paid closer attention to the story um they they brought forth some of the characters um especially his girlfriend um i'm drawing a blank on her name that's all but, right I, i'm constantly drawing blanks on names so that's, yeah. that's we'll just live with that and yeah. anybody so, who's a fan of iron fist will know who we're talking about yeah so by the end of the season they advanced the story they had shared the power she was the neighborhood and she's badass she was the neighborhood um uh uh, misty knight was in the neighborhood yes colleen wing was um she was the champion of the neighborhood and uh misty knight was uh doing her thing and that was a really great part of season two and danny rand was off with his long-lost brother and they had discovered other stuff. And like the last couple of scenes, there was so much potential. And then this week, we, it was announced that uh, season three of Iron Fist had been canceled. Um, that's, yep. a corporate, that's a corporate decision. God bless it. Maybe it got too expensive. Uh, but what a, what a, just a kick in the ass to Colleen Wing character to Misty Knight, although she could show up in Luke, um, and to the amount of work that was done to improve season two. Season two was, I'd say, three to five times better than season one. They were really on their way. Um, and then it got cut off, it got, got dissed. Now, unless their plan is to pick all those characters up in a, a, a second season of Defenders and advance the story that way, that would be interesting, or maybe a Power Man Iron Fist, where all those characters could have kind of a mini team. That would be interesting. Um, but it was—it's kind of sad that the you know whatever projections they have were not met, and um, these guys got the axe. Um, well, I, I, I think one of the questions too is and we've talked about this on some of the other episodes, is everything, everything has an end point. And, it, you know, part of the question is, you know, you mentioned it earlier with uh, the Marvel movie lengthwise, you know, it's like 20 some odd films over a number of years. And even during that time period, Marvel, the entity was bought by Disney, which is, you know, has an impact. So ultimately, you know, at some point, either the corporate heads or the fan base, the moviegoers, are going to go, okay, that was nice. What's next? Well, and, and on the 
cinematic universe level, um, we're seeing that impact, you know, the whole controversy with James Gunn and uh, firing him from Gardens of the Galaxy 3. Um, and the and effect then, that had on the cast, you know. Yeah, what well, with that. the and, question and, was, were they going to use his script, not use his script? Dave Batista, who plays Drax, was very vocal about being loyal to James Gunn. You know, he was the one who drove home. Although, credit where it's due, the whole cast co-signed a letter that they sent out saying that, you know, the things that he was fired for were brought up, dealt with, and moved past, you know, long ago. Mm. And and it was only, you know, in reality, uh, a political... Um, person uh, who had a blog who did not like what James Gunn was saying politically in the present dug back to find this stuff and he forced it up and there's more and more of that going on where one political group is attacking another group and causing disturbances in the workplace James is gone now uh, and maybe uh, signing on to do a, a reboot or reimagining of the Suicide Squad. And if so, God bless him. I know Dave Batista already petitioned to be in on that movie because he wants to work with James again. That's well, that's cool. But it's also got what's happening with Henry Cavill. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's part of DC's confusion as to where it wants to move, and I think it wants to move kind of away from the big three for a little while. I don't know what they're doing with that Batman movie. Wonder Woman is the sole success. They're going to have her again. Um, I don't I don't think Henry Cavill ever got a chance to really be Superman. You know, Man will, of Ste- I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, Man of Steel, he was kind of learning. Batman vs. Superman, he, he was just... Yeah. chained to that movie there's nothing to yeah. say and justice league he came in middle of it he was the villain you didn't really see him as superman until the the third act you know uh and that wasn't enough because you could see how well he could be as superman or how well he could do as superman. Well, I'll, I'll tell this quick story um i was at um a comic-con in january of 2018 and Cavill and the other actors in the Justice League movie were there doing signings and autographs and everything. And two things that Cavill did that impressed me as him being, you know, a good human being. I, I don't know what it's like to work with him. I don't, I don't read a lot of gossip, so I have no commentary there. But I watched him before the event opened up, and he was walking around with uh, several other people uh, setting up a little, um, uh, what's the word I want for this? Uh, a little scavenger hunt extra for the fans who are going to be coming in later. And I watched them just interacting with not only the, the paparazzi or two that were working, walking with him, but the, for lack of a better assistance, the grunts and the assistants that were helping. And he was, you could just tell he was excited. He was having fun. He seemed to be talking to everybody with civility there was no lording over anybody. There was, yeah, we can do this. He came over at one point. He was near me, and he was going to do something, and we exchanged a few words. Again, total He doesn't know me from a hole in a wall. He just seemed to be dealing with everybody as human beings. And so that was one thing that 
gave me sort of an impression of him. The second was uh, later that day, a young child that I had met at another convention who was suffering from cancer and had gone through, and I won't mention his name because I don't have his parents' permission, but uh, he had just been a week of getting a chemo. And they had texted me and said that they were going to be coming to the convention that day, and they wanted to make sure that I was going to be someplace they could find me. And I thought, this little guy has just gone, he's like 10 years old, he's just gone through all this garbage, he's a great little kid. It'd be so cool if he could meet one of the actors from this film. And, and I know it's like an expensive uh, price to get an autograph or to get a photo with him. So I went over and I spoke with um, some people and dialogue and I let them know what the situation was as a boy. And again, I'm not mentioning names just because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But they basically said, when the child arrives, let me know. And I did. And they, they made it possible for him to get over there. Oh, cool. To meet Cavill. And I, you know, I went about my business because I was doing stuff with kids Comic-Con. I was doing stuff with a lot of other kids and people there. And, everything. and about an hour or so later, mom comes back. Now, I will mention that when I saw the boy before, he was in his stroller. He was wasted energy-wise. He was just, you know, it was uncomfortable. Right. That stuff is in his system and all that. They come back, he's sitting up in his stroller, and mom is beaming, dad is beaming, and they show me an 8x10 or whatever the size was of the photograph, and it's, he's standing up with his fist on his, on his hip, like Superman, right? And Cavill is kneeling next to him and looking at him, and this kid is just standing there, like, all proud and everything. It was just, it was just a great shot. Oh, fantastic. And then they told me that Cavill wanted to talk to him, so he was just spending some time with him. And of course, you know, there's, there's lots of people online waiting, you know, for their shot. And they know this is, it's a time-sensitive situation. But Cavill gave him that extra time. And so, you know, when I think about that, it humanizes the performer. And it makes me, you know, wish nothing but the best for him. And it makes me also feel as a, as a fan of the films, meaning of the Superman character, but of films and things. You know, I think about Christopher Reeves and the kind of person that he was, and I got to meet him and knew him a bit. And I think about what I've seen, what little I've seen of Cavill, and I think, okay, here are two people who embody a lot of what Superman is supposed to be about. And I would rather see them in the costume than some of the other folks that have been suggested over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and I think that just goes back to, again, pop culture, and films and all this. This is a business that's making its money. I'm not knocking it. I'm just simply saying it's a business that's making its money off of properties that have a much more emotional impact on the audience base. Well, and, people who live for these characters, who were raised with these characters, and they mean and, something to us. And my fear is that, especially with Disney, you know, you have an extra level above Marvel and with Warner, an extra level above DC that do not see it as that. They do not see the mythology they now have control over. They don't understand. I wonder if they understand the deep emotional connections that we have to DC stories, the, the myth-making that DC has done, the myth-making that Marvel has done the myth-making that Star Wars has done, you know? Um, for th the last 30 or 40 or maybe 50 years, Disney has done variations on the same story, right? 
Outcasts mm-hmm. fails, has to go on a journey of self discovery to whatever, you know, whether it's Dumbo or Mulan or Moana. The structure is the hero's journey, it mm-hmm. is over and over again that same story. Um, Star Wars is more nuanced than that, you know, six seven, eight movies in, it's telling a different tale, right? It's still a hero's journey, but there's there's a mythic quality to it. The Avengers, this Avengers 4, if it goes the way I think it will go, it is going to really put the cap on, pardon the pun, on, <laughs> uh, on an achievement, you know? I don't know if they will recognize the Marvel movies the way they recognized Tolkien, uh, Peter Jackson with uh, Return of the King, that, wow, you know, we don't ever nominate these guys except for special effects, but we've got to nominate because he's done this, you know, unfilmable movie he did in, you know, in a splendid fashion. Same thing here. These guys have told a 22 to 24-part story of this growing evil at a time where, and uh, you know, uh, uh, div- the thing that could rip us apart at a time where a lot of them... Divicity. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of it uh, yeah. in, around the world, a lot of con- countries are feeling torn apart. And if they can bring it in, in a truly spectacular end, the Academy might have to take a, a, a notice of it. But will Disney, you know? If Disney can fire uh, uh, James Gunn, if Marvel can fire, there was this other, um, uh, who was actually a writer of the Star Wars comics um, and also some Star Wars books. He had the um, audacity to introduce a gay character and a a contingent of the Star Wars fans just went after him. And unfortunately, he went back at them with some very angry words and terse words. And between that and the pressures, Marvel fired this guy. He's got other jobs. He's got other writing gigs, so he's not going to go hungry. But it all started because some segment of the population couldn't handle a gay character in their entertainment. That's sad, you know. There's similar thing happened with James Gunn. There's also a movement within the comics uh, industry, which I'm learning through following you know, Jamal Igel and a few other people on Twitter. I am not... I don't consider myself in the comics industry in any way. So I'm an outsider seeing this. But there are a few in the comics industry that are chasing down uh, or pressuring that the uh, uh, women shouldn't have position in comics. You know, and people of color don't necessarily need uh, uh, positions in comics and you know, it should go back to the way it was. And... Although, 
once again, I, it, that's madness. Yeah, that's yeah, madness. I, I, I hear you. And, and as, as a man of color, obviously there are reactions that I'm feeling and thinking, and you and I have talked about, and I think we will, we've done it before. And we've got an episode coming up. That's going to go more into that. I think what I would just say to that now, and then everybody, uh, please chime in with your thoughts, you yeah. know, in the comments and all that and the email and whatever you want to do to get to us. But most assuredly, I would say, uh, there is all the, the very characters that we're talking about fight for right and justice and good, you know, uh, the safety of, of humankind and all that. And we are inspired by them to do the same. And in real life, we have our boogeymen. We have we have our villains. We have our crusades or axis of evils or, you know, if you want to go back to the to the, the 40s and all that, we have the other side and. If we're inspired by these characters to, you know, as they fight for the right, then we have to do the same. And when I say fight for the right, I mean for the, you know, for goodness, not for a particular political side. Mm-hmm. You fight for, you know, the, the right for human beings to be good human beings and to, to live their lives and take care of themselves. And when you start creating barriers and all of that, then it becomes a whole other discussion. And it becomes, you know, when, how many of us will put on the suits? For now, with pop culture, it is not only, you know, uh, eye candy for the entertainment world. It is not only, you know, inspiration for kids who suddenly can see either Superman or Batman or Black Panther, you know, live and in color and live action moving along the screen and want to go and jump into the costume themselves and do what they do. It's not only for all of that, but it's also a business and understanding that the people behind it may or may not give a flying squirrel what these characters mean to us. They may, may only be thinking about the dollar. And the dollar is always going to have some major influence on where it goes from there. When the fans begin to become the enemy of the very property that they love, I think that's something that <laughs> is a discussion that you know, needs to be, be had out in the open as well. And I think what you and I have done today is basically touch on the tip of that iceberg. And, and, and I think that there is, there is a path to civility. You know, you and I spoke to our friends growing up, you know, what if, you know, who's, who's more, who could fight, who could win in a fight, Batman versus the Hulk, you know. Yeah, all that kind Superman of stuff, Superman yeah. versus the Thor and all that, uh, and Thor, you know. That, that kind of idea, that kind of sharing of ideas can still happen now. When it becomes political, when it becomes they shouldn't have a right to write these characters, that's when the fans should really step in and say, you know, hold on a second. That's not what we're all here for. We're all here to share ideas, to uh, enjoy and share the mythology, to grow from it. You know, and to have fun. Oh, my God. That, you know. Yeah, God forbid we have that. You know? huh. But I, I think, again, you use the word civility, and that's, that's really a part of it, to graciously accept that we don't necessarily agree. Yeah. I don't have to you know, demonize you. I don't have to you know, try and destroy you or remove you from the equation because, frankly, that, that's, that's, that's the way to hell. Um, but most assuredly, agree to disagree and, and get on with it. Anyway, we, we, we said we were going to keep this one reasonably short. We failed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, um, and I, th- I think this is a bigger discussion. I think this is a multi-part discussion, and it's a discussion that I that I know both Chris and I would like to have um, the audience to continue to be a part of, of you know, from 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 their points of view. So please, uh, you've got the comment section below, whatever yeah. platform that you're experiencing this on. You've also got our email address, uh, which is pinned in, in, in you know almost every place that you can pick this up. Uh, so please uh, let us know what you think. You know, if you're coming at it through Anchor or iTunes or well, uh, WordPress or whatever, just let us know what you think. Facebook, we're on Facebook too. Let's leave with some questions. Yeah, go, uh, go for it. What are you still watching, or what are you looking forward to seeing? What maybe what might you have stepped away from and why and how uh, for the darker or the deeper stuff how do you think we should talk about um, the corporate side and the political side of myth making you know the business side of this Um, how can we uh, move forward without it with you know without the politics and and the corporate part overshadowing the myths i would, I would love to hear without, your ideas right and also without decimating the very playground in which we all want to go to yeah so, yeah. yeah i would say please you know let us know call call in right <laughs> right in call in right yeah. now right yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah we'll reset your leaders and gutters um, yeah, no, please, you know, like I said, drop a comment in. It's, it's a comment box. That's what it's for. Drop comments in there or email us and uh, we'll, we'll bring it up in the, in the next uh, broadcast. And look forward to, again, more interviews, solo interviews by Chris with some of the writers from the, what was the conference, Chris? Uh, that was the Deadly Ink Writers Conference. Right. We've got, what, like four more, five more of I those? Think we, I think we have four more, but if it's five, hip, hip, hooray. Yeah, it's at least four more of those. Yeah. And then we have a new series of interviews, a couple of some solo ones that I've done with uh, various artists and fans uh, who are, you know, have worked on or enjoyed Blackjack. So yeah. you'll get us together. What's the name I, of that series? I love the name of that series. Why Blackjack? Yes. Yeah. Come, look forward to that, folks. That's kind of interesting. Okay, so like I said, Chris and I solo and together right here. Tell the damn story. Catch you next time. Take care, Chris. Take care, Alex. So long, everybody.